No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. Mike Tannenbaum, the longtime NFL executive who's run the Dolphins. He was the general manager of the New York Jets as well. Mike, thank you for joining us. It's great to be with you. How's it going, Jeremy? It's good. It's good. So this is the time of year when you start getting really busy. Um, <laughs> what's it like being on the media side of things now? You know, it's been fantastic. You know, I love football. I can't get enough of it. I just had an amazing couple of days. Uh, flew out to Ohio, was at Ohio State's first practice to watch uh, Ryan Day make his debut as a coach with a fascinating transfer in Justin Fields, who was the number one recruit coming out of high school, uh, more so than uh, Trevor Lawrence. And then from there, had the honor and privilege of going to uh, the Hall of Fame. I had two former players get inducted, Ty Law, who played mostly with New England, uh, but we had him at the Jets, and then uh, Kevin Mawai. So uh, up here in Bristol, and it's uh, – all football all the time, and it's been a, a tremendous experience. Coming from the NFL executive suite experience to ESPN, uh, again, on the media side, what has the transition been like for you? You know, it's been uh, – everyone here has been phenomenal. I just try to bring um, just another point of view to things. You know, there's been so much going on recently from – all the holdouts from, you know, the Zeke Elliott's of the world to trades. And I just try to bring people behind the curtain and tell people, Hey, here's what's actually going on. Here's what teams are thinking. And I just try to be honest and transparent and bring a point of view that hopefully enriches a discussion. But at the end of the day, uh, it was really funny. Uh, I was on sports center about 10 days ago and I'm like, you know, we were talking between breaks and Jay Harris goes, how's it going? I'm like, it's great. I'm like, how you doing? He's like, Hey, you know, you put on a little makeup and talk sports. Who has it better than us? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the secrets of ESPN, yeah, the makeup component to it. We're speaking with Mike Tannenbaum, the ESPN NFL insider, longtime NFL executive who is, you know, kind of at the beginning of his media career. And, you know, one of the things whenever um, somebody comes to Bristol uh, who's had a long and successful career, on the other side of things, in the actual world of of on the field uh, stuff, um, the the thought is always, well, this is just um, temporary. Uh, the ones who stick it out for the long term are few and far between. The temptations to go back to the job in the front office or coaching or whatever it might be are sometimes too great. Um, you know. For you, how do you balance, you know, doing the job and also kind of keeping an eye out on what's going on in terms of that other world out there, which is still a possibility for you? You know, Jeremy, for me, uh, one of my friends and candidly like a, a mentor of mine is Dan Quinn, head coach of the Falcons, and he has a great expression, which is be where your feet are, you know, and be in the moment and be the best you can be. And I'm truly loving this. It's been fantastic. I feel like I know the league in a whole different way, uh, just in terms of, keeping track of, you know, everybody um, at a much more of a big picture sort of uh, level. And I'm putting everything I can into being the best possible broadcaster I could be. And um, that's really where my focus is. And I'd love to do this for a long time and try to hopefully grow the role and, and again, bring a perspective that maybe, you know, was, uh, you know, with my background was not necessarily part of the conversation that I could bring to the table. So um, I'm all in. 
I'm, this is where my feet are, and I want to be the best possible broadcaster I could be. A lot of people get into TV um, from your side of things. Um, you know, are, are, it's kind of a culture shock. Uh, they're often kind of surprised, I think, by the seriousness with which um, TV approaches this kind of coverage at ESPN, certainly when it comes to the NFL, perhaps especially. <laughs> what... what has it been what you expected it to be in terms of the attention to detail, um, the the expectations for accuracy and seriousness? I, I am blown away by how good people are here. I remember I was talking to uh, somebody. Uh, it's funny in, in the makeup room, and you spent a lot of time in the makeup room, Mike. It seems. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my <laughs> wife, amongst other, would tell you, you know, that's a place where I, I you know, could use a lot of help. We all belong. And it was mm-hmm. interesting, Jeremy. We were talking about like. At one minute, we're talking about Woj and then Schefter and then all, all these. And I'm like, boy, that person's really good at what they do. Boy, that person's really good at what they do. And then you're on Sports Center, and, and the makeup person to me, said to me something so fundamental and so accurate. They're like, well, that's why they're at ESPN because they're at the best at what they do. And I truly feel that way. Like when I'm on this campus in Bristol, everything is best in class. Like the information that's provided, the talent, the production people, the producers, they challenge you. You know, they get you out of your coverage zone. And I really feel like every time I hear it, it's very stimulating. I feel like I've improved. I've learned a lot. And for me, those are the environments I really enjoy being in. The ones where um, I like to think I have a growth mindset, Jeremy. Like, I want to keep learning. I want to keep getting better. And every experience here has been a little bit different. You know, one minute you could be on a, you know, video conference call. The next one it's, you know, live TV, obviously, or it's a studio show. Um, there's a lot of different aspects to it. And Whoever I've come across and whatever their respective discipline is, Jeremy, they have been unbelievably impressive. We're speaking with Mike Tannenbaum, the longtime NFL executive. He also dabbled in the representation business for a few years. He's now been at ESPN for a couple of seasons. And you worked for the Browns, the Saints, the Jets, the Dolphins. One thing that always interests me as somebody who who covers sports is just you would think there would be a model for doing things the right way in every league, that you would see the success of one franchise, it would be duplicated over and over again. But in fact, what we see is teams that operate in very different ways from each other with varying degrees of success, some teams that can't seem to ever get out of their way, some teams that seem to always know how to do it the right way. Is there a single culture in the NFL or is it a bunch of, you know, uh, teams doing it their own way. I think, you know, if we were talking about building a football team, running ESPN, whatever business, you know, bagel store in New York, um, you see, I'm trying to stay away from these makeup sort of references. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but stick with the carbs. There, okay, there's, always good. Yeah. Jeremy, I would say there's certain indices of, of any of those companies, and, and that's you want people that are hardworking, honest, and really have growth mindsets. And I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. There was a uh, a podcast about two months ago that Adam Schefter was interviewing Dan Orlovsky, and Dan Orlovsky was talking about when he got released by the Rams, and for 45 minutes, Sean McVay personally sat down with Orlovsky and said, hey, which team installed the best? Which team were you with that had the best food? Who had the best travel? Who had the best practice schedule? And there's no... That's not a coincidence that Sean McVay is as 
successful as he's been because of his innate curiosity and growth mindset. And to answer your question, I think there's definitely more than one way to run an effective organization, but I promise you it's filled with people that have the mindset like Sean McVay who have innate curiosity and always want to get better because the sports evolved. And, you know, we simply could look at New England and say, oh, just do what they did. But I know against competing against them for years between the Jets and the Dolphins that Bill Belichick went up there with one team that was playing on natural grass. They were bigger on defense. They try to run the ball on offense. And over time, they went to artificial surface. They have, obviously, an iconic Hall of Famer in Tom Brady. And, you know, they obviously play to his strengths. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, and I've had the good fortune of working for Coach Belichick twice. He, he'll he often talk about, you know, being game plan specific or matchup specific. And that's another sort of manifestation of having a growth mindset of what's going to give us the best chance to win. So I think it's really more about the people and a mindset than necessarily um, you know, how an organization set up. How has life changed for those who are on the inside, who have those coveted jobs that they've wanted presumably all their lives in the NFL? How has it changed in the last quarter century uh, in terms of uh, the amount of hours you have to put in, the amount of dedication, the the constancy of the work? You know, I, I've been really fortunate to be able to talk to people um, before me, like the Ron Wolfs of the world, Bill Polian, Jerry Angelo, you know, and they talked about things like, hey, someone's going to be educating the, your owner, so might as well be you. And that's really true, you know, because the privilege of these jobs, they're so scarce um, and our sport is covered so intimately. So what happens is there'll be a lot of stories out there and you may want to ignore them, but you know that they're going to be sort of in the ecosystem of, you know, what's been following your team. So it's so important to stay on the front end of it and be constantly communicating, you know, with ownership as well as the other people in the front office. I always say that the way I always define the positions I had, Jeremy, was I was simply the point guard of information. I wanted to make sure that our owner, head coach, was extremely informed. And whatever significant decision we were going to make, you know, if we're going to go sign a player or trade for a player – if we do that, here's what we can't do. Now, collectively, what's the best decision for us? And not only was it a, a 24-7 sort of uh, life cycle, for like, uh, lack of a better term, Jeremy, it was really more about like staying on the front end of communications as well because you wanted to make sure that your owners were never surprised by anything. And, um, again, these jobs are incredible privileges. There's 32 of them on the planet. I was fortunate to have a couple of them. Um, but I, I work really hard and make sure that uh, I try to stay on the front end of news cycles the best I could. Speaking with Mike Tannenbaum, Mike, you know, we've seen over the last decade uh, the emergence uh, of a lot of young coaches having success. And it's a different mindset from the NFL a quarter century ago where you had to have. Typically, you had to have decades of experience to get those jobs. You had to have uh, put in years as a coordinator. You had to have put in years before that as an assistant coach. And now um, it's almost like what happened in baseball after Theo Epstein had that success with the Red Sox in 2004. People are looking for young, hungry coaches, even though the guys who won the most Super Bowls in the last decade are the oldest coaches in the league. When teams decide to go very young at the head coaching position, uh, what are the potential risks? What are the rewards? Every situation is going to be a little bit different, but I would say when, like, for example, we had Coach Case in, in Miami, obviously very young, you know, so there's a relatability to, you know, the players in terms of how they communicate as something as fundamental as that, Jeremy, you know, texting, 
or in social media, you know, they're much more familiar with that. With that said, you could look at Adam Staff with the Jets now, um, and you could see that Greg Williams, former head coach, Joe Vitt, former head coach, having wisdom around him is, is a really, I think, an effective way of balancing sort of like the lack of experience, but the ability to communicate and relate with having some people there that you can have as sounding boards. And really, to me, like the perfect example is Sean McVay. Sean McVay was obviously a dynamic play caller, obviously very smart guy with great football acumen on the offensive side of the ball. And then you have somebody like Wade Phillips, who's been you know a coordinator or head coach for countless years on the other side of the ball. So I think you want to have those effective balances. I, I think uh, a really interesting sort of dynamic moving into 2019, Jeremy, is going to be what happens in Arizona because you have Cliff Kingsbury who, and I, we had Cliff at the Jets in 05, but it's an unbelievably unique fact pattern. This was a guy that was let go coaching at the Big 12, and he was an offensive coordinator at USC for about three weeks, and now he has one of the 32 most sought-after jobs in the profession. If he's successful, that really will change the paradigm, in my opinion, in terms of hiring and sort of like the whole selection process. It's really going to be interesting because Cliff is a very talented and smart guy, but obviously he has skipped so many steps to have the seat that he currently has. It's interesting too, right? I mean, he's a guy who played for Mike Leach in college at Texas Tech, was a protege of Mike Leach's, didn't have nearly the success that Mike Leach had as a head coach in that job, and yet Mike Leach never gets a sniff at the NFL. Whoa. Why did why does that kind of thing happen? I, I think part of it is you know, I, and Mike's a fascinating guy. I love picking his brain. I've heard him talk. I read about him all the time. You know, part of it is you know, you're you're the face of the franchise, and I'm sure there's some sort of you know hesitation or consternation of if you have somebody as flamboyant as Mike Leach, um, how is he going to be as the face of your organization? So um, it's a really fair point you're bringing up because he has been successful. He has developed the quarterback. He has brought a lot of innovation to you know, the position and the programs he's been on. So it's an interesting, you know, discussion. And, hey, if we're sitting here in January of 2020 and the Arizona Cardinals are the surprise team of the NFL, they're sitting there with nine wins and they're going to the playoffs, I bet you people like Mike Leach will definitely be part of the conversation moving forward. We're speaking with Mike Tannenbaum, the longtime NFL executive now works at ESPN as an NFL insider. Another name I just want to throw out there, uh, a guy I covered when he was playing uh, high school football. That's how old I am, Mike. Uh, Josh McDaniels, who, of course, was a head coach briefly in the NFL with the Denver Broncos, but is back to being the offensive coordinator in New England. You know Josh McDaniels, very talented. Uh, why is he still a coordinator, why hasn't he returned to the head coaching ranks, a guy like Josh McDaniels? Well, I think he certainly could have had that opportunity going back a year ago with the Colts. And I think Josh is really, at the end of the day, dealing from a position of strength, Jeremy. He is in an ideal situation. He's coaching, obviously, an iconic player in Tom Brady. He has all the support of ownership and his head coach in Bill Belichick. Um, Josh is also a very thoughtful family man. So I think for him it's going to have to be the ideal situation and it's going to have to check every box. So I think when it's all said and done, he'll definitely be a head coach again, you know, when and if that's uh, really an interesting discussion. But again, I think at the end of the day, he's in an ideal situation. So he's really, he can you know be very particular in what his next opportunity looks like. I would be remiss, Mike, if I didn't ask you what you thought about the Cleveland Browns this year, because everybody's talking about the Cleveland Browns as if they've won six Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Um, <laughs> Is there any possible way for them to be as good? This is another team for which you worked a long time ago uh, when Bill Belichick was there. Is there any way for them to possibly 
live up to the hype and the expectations, which to me seem totally out of proportion to what they should be for a franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs in, what is it, 16 years, something like that. I, I totally agree with you. I, I have real concerns. Um, starting with their head coach, I think Freddie Kitchens, if you and I owned a team and we said, hey, we want to have a great coach in five years, Freddie Kitchens would be on my short list. I think he has a chance to be a really good coach. With that said, a year ago at this time, he was a position coach. He is learning how to drive going 90 miles an hour in the left-hand lane. And I think what's more interesting about the Browns than anything is not when they lose, you know, 49 to 46 because a lot of, obviously, egos and firepower on the offensive side of the ball, they'll be satisfied when they lose in the 40s. What I'm interested to see in the fall, what happens when they win 6-3? to What happens when they win... 10 to 6 and Baker Mayfield throws four interceptions. That to me will be the real litmus test in can this team have sustainability? Cause I'm a huge believer in Mike Tomlin. I'm a huge believer in John Harbaugh and coaching in the NFL matters. And Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. And those, and no, I don't think that's really had enough coverage. So on paper, they're obviously vastly improved. Although I think there's still some concerns about their tackles, but obviously they're vastly improved on offense, Jeremy. When it comes to coaching, the only grade you could give Freddie Kitchens and, for that matter, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, are grades have been complete. They've never done it before. And they're going against two of the very best that our sport has in Harbaugh and Tomlin. And that matters. It matters a lot. And it matters after a win in as much as after a loss. So I'm proceeding with caution with Cleveland. I think they'll be improved. But I think they still have a ways to go. Is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat after last year's disappointments and and all the locker room stuff? Uh, you know, and, and that this is like one of the challenges. Um, you know, one of the decisions that didn't work out for us at the Jets was we go to two championship games, we stub our toe, and we move on from Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator. And you know, you look back at that and you say, like, you know, was that really a good decision? You know, and Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. And if they ever moved on from him because they're not exactly happy where the team is right now, who are you going to get that's better? I mean, look at the record he's had over and over. And I think really what's so interesting is his acumen in player development. And I mean specifically, you look at the guys that the Santonio home, I mean, the list is so long of all the guys they've moved on from at receiver or at pass rusher. They've done such a great job of developing replacements year in and year out. And Le'Veon Bell's next guy, Antonio Brown's moved on. And and I'm telling you, if we're sitting here in October, you and I are going to have a conversation. Wow, did you see Smith-Schuster? Did you see James Conner? Did you see James Washington, the second-round pick a year ago uh, at receiver from Oklahoma State? So there's going to be all sorts of um, players that will play that have been under the radar for the Steelers. And I think Coach Tomlin deserves a lot of credit for that. Mike, it's always a pleasure. I hope we will be speaking in October and that you haven't taken some high-profile job back in the NFL and we get to hang out in the makeup room in Bristol some more. Mike Tannenbaum is longtime <laughs> NFL executive, 25 years in the league. He is now an ESPN NFL insider. Mike, thanks so much for spending some time here with us on The Sporting Life. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate you having me. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.